recording. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Jiva Doya Talks. I'm your host, Nita, aka Jiva, and I'm really excited about today's episode because it's the first time I'm having a guest on the show. Um, if, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, I'm currently exploring spiritual authenticity and what that means to me. So I decided to get on the call with my buddy Mamutaku from New Zealand to just open up that conversation, and um, we decided to make it an episode for the podcast. So I think it's really cool. Uh, it's a really cool conversation. We're going to be talking about the importance of um, being true to yourself, being authentic, and being honest with your struggles, your challenges on your spiritual journey, um, even though the society of the devotees might be judging you for who you are, and a bunch of other cool stuff. So I hope you like the episode. Stay tuned and let me know what you think. Cheers. So, welcome, Mom. <laughs> This is the first time I'm doing it with, with someone, so I'm happy that you are the, the first person jumping on this thing. All right, so, you know, I've been, we've been talking about a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, like a variety of issues regarding mental health, authenticity, guilt, and all that. I think it's been like, what, two weeks already since we've been talking, like having these conversations? Yeah, even longer, eh? even I remember when, when I was in my we were having these conversations last right. year even, but it's just amped up a little bit since then for sure yeah you know? I, like i told you i think like um other people might benefit from those conversations you know so i'm, yeah. I'm happy that we finally made it here and hopefully we can speak something of value i mean it's it's a it's a huge topic because yeah. i think they both fit into each other as well you know mental health and also being able to be honest with right. ourselves and other people I yeah i mean i I see in my I see myself and also I see in some of the devotees around me there's this external facade that I think stops devotees from being able to be fully honest with themselves and then it, it right. in turn then makes them bottle up a lot of the actual feelings and desires they have which then manifests as sometimes mental illness or right. issues um, down that avenue you know I think I think that's why when we started having those talks, that's the reason why I recorded. I think it was two episodes on spiritual authenticity, but like you said, it's a it's a it's a big topic, it's quite vast, and um, yeah, there's still like there's so many angles that we can explore this um situation. But I think yeah, authenticity and guilt also goes hand in hand. Um, for sure, man. I mean, I know in my experience i've told you about something that happened with me a few years ago in regards to a devotee in the sangha that had um schizophrenia and they had a breakdown right. and after that that the event that took place there it triggered me to want to spread awareness of mental health and devotee sanghas and i came up with quite a lot of backlash there i think we've talked about it but um right it's just, it's just interesting. It was interesting for me to see what was coming back, you know, because I raised awareness. I raised my concern about a few devotees in the community here um, that seemed like they were going through quite a lot. And um, out of concern, I spoke to my seniors, like, these devotees look like they're going through some difficulty here. Should we help them? And then they expressed to me, oh, this is almost borderline up a road. <laughs> How how dare you're you? assuming that yeah exactly like how dare you say that this devotee might be having issues you know like they do they do service you know i can't that actually one of the devotees actually told me one of the senior devotees told me i can't afford to lose this devotee 
because he does so much service. So I don't want to pry into anything in case it triggers something for him to even leave the Sangha. Right. So we'll just leave it how it is and then he'll keep doing his seva, you know? Hmm. So, yeah, it's, I, I, it's I, pretty... Yeah, I think like we label a lot of things upright because we don't want to disturb the status quo. Yeah. Yeah, like we don't yeah, want to yeah, evolve yeah. then. And also because we might have our own, I don't know, personal agenda, like like you're saying. <clears throat> oh, if I pry too much, then this person might be triggered and he's going to leave the movement or leave the temple, leave the yatra, and then who's going to cook Sunday feast, you know? Exactly, exactly. Meanwhile, there's, I mean, you know, there's so much of a push at the moment, at least in the, the yatra here in Auckland for devotee care, devotee care. But... um. I don't know how much of that is actually hitting home, like deeply, like creating an environment for devotees to actually genuinely be a hundred percent authentic with the stuff they're going through. That's not just addressing external issues or broadly kind of like addressing being in Maya or under the oh, moments of yeah. struggling with lust. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's it's definitely it's a broad topic. I'm not too sure where you wanna come. Even from. when I've in my experience, when I've seen like, oh, there's this devotee care, how do you call it, like retreat or seminar or something, it's it's often quite superficial. And it in my experience of it's what I've observed is like it's it's never or it doesn't it doesn't doesn't really touch upon mental health, you know. I I agree with you and then the the few retreats I've been to that have been like that, like either men's retreat or you know, just devotee retreats, which is also, it's nice, but it's kind yeah. of like, it just, you go there and it's just, there's association and there's Prashad and Kirtan and Bhagavatam class, but it doesn't necessarily, in my eyes also, it, it doesn't cultivate an environment where people can still be 100% authentic. It's just going and doing much of the same in another place. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're delaying these talks <laughs> yeah yeah exactly 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 and i think hmm. yeah i mean the sung the sangha as far as i see it in different places i've been it doesn't it doesn't um present an environment where people can be authentic because there's so much of a focus on externals and right. being pakka and being being able to Quote Shastra and wear a dhoti and wear a sari properly and shave up and wear tea light. And um, if you tick those boxes, then we accept you. And if you don't tick those boxes, then we reject you, basically. And although there might be talk of devotee care and although there might be talk of acceptance and Srila Prabhupada's mercy, as far as I've seen it, as soon as I see devotees that maybe fall back from the, the standard of being able to chant 16 rounds or right. um, follow all the regs, as much as we talk about these these principles of mercy and acceptance, the the society rejects them, you know. And I see it again and again everywhere. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. Right. I think also I wanted to mention about these. I don't know, so-called devotee influencers out there, because I feel that that doesn't help. Mm, yeah, opening up the space for these conversations because. These so-called devotee influencers are putting out, you know, content also 
kind of downplaying the whole situation with stuff like, oh, you know, I don't need therapy, Prabhu. I just chant and be happy. Oh, Prabhu, that's, <laughs> you know, that's karmi stuff. I only need to read the books and I, or I just go for kirtan. You know, Prabhu, kirtan is our bhajan. That's our everything. But in reality, yeah. I feel that we are using the process of bhakti either as, I don't know, like as a tool to maybe escape reality or perhaps just a way to avoid working on ourselves. And and then, I don't know, when things don't work out, we end up putting that responsibility on the spiritual society or, I don't know, perhaps ultimately blaming Krishna or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy. I mean, tell that, tell that to the devotee that had the schizophrenic breakdown and held a rifle to the deity. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, he came to the temple and I was, I was, happened to be there. Not that I'm regularly there from Mangalarti, but that day I happened to be there from Mangalarti and he was there. He showed up from Mangalarti. He chanted his rounds. He attended Bhagavatam class. He ate prasadam. And by the afternoon, he was holding a rifle to the deities. So, what, you know, like, just of give course, more, it's an extreme just, example. Just give him more halibut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, of course, these things are obviously, right. I don't mean to downplay um, chanting and attending Bhagavatam class and eating prasadam and seeing the deity. Um, but at the same time, obviously, there's other avenues that need to be pursued right. to give devotees help for this, you know. I mean, I believe we talked, maybe it was you and me, we talked about um, um, accepting things that are beneficial for bhakti that might not necessarily fall under of bhakti that are beneficial yeah. for devotees mm -hmm. to advance. Did you want to talk about that a little bit or do you want to open up that conversation? I just... When you were when you were telling your story about that the um, who came in Mangalarti, uh, I just remember something. This happened like I don't know, man, like fifteen years ago or something, and it just like I just remember about it. So I want to share. I want to share that. <clears throat> yeah. I remember um, we we went out for Harinam, right? It was like Saturday or something, and we went out, you know, this kind of like touristy area and whatever. We're doing Harinam putting on a good show. And then uh, one of the Matajis, she was quite young. Um, she had a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's the proper term, but she just fainted. And I immediately freaked out. I was like, okay, what the hell is happening? We're doing Harinam. This lady just, you know, faints. Um, maybe we should stop the Harinam and get her the help she needs, right? Because that's the obvious thing you will do. But yeah. the devotees kept chanting. <laughs> and then um, uh, there were like maybe two devotees that came to kind of like move her from the, the main, you know, they just they just brought her back behind the um, the book table. <laughs> and I shouldn't be laughing about this, but it's just like so messed up. And I'm so, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just so traumatic. It's such a traumatic event that I just, I can't forget it. But um, so there were like two two Madhijis, um, around this lady who just fainted, and they were just like, "Oh, let's just chant, 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 you know, chant," as if I don't know she was gonna like leave her body or something. And I and I I remember there was a, another devotee who said, 
I don't know, call an ambulance. <laughs> and simultaneously, the, the, the harina was still going on. You know what I'm saying? This is the, you know, the typical so buddy, like distributing the pamphlets. <laughs> the, the book distributor uh the, like fired it up it was really like, sad but it's almost like a monty python skit you know <laughs> it's like so i mean devotees can be like so detached from but like is, is, is that actual detachment though because <laughs> then because then that we can we can open a whole can of worms and be like oh you know when some i don't know the bat situation happened when shit happens basically and you tell one devotee and then he says oh you know Prabhu, that's your karma whatever and i mean i don't know in reality yeah part of it is karma and i don't want to get into that topic right now but it's like yeah probably she fainted because well we found out later that she had some um i don't know what's the term but some chemical imbalance and whatever she had an actual you know an actual condition mm. and then yeah uh, I guess she was busy doing seva the whole day that she didn't eat before the Harinam. And, yeah. you know, it's an actual, maybe she was not, she was not supposed to be there or whatever. And she went because again, there's a whole, the guilt tripping aspect of it also. It's like, okay, you know, if you don't join the Harinam, why do you live at the temple? You should come, you're a fallen devotee, etc. So maybe I, I never knew because then she, uh, she left the movement as far as I understand. Uh, obviously. <laughs> But um that I had nothing to do with the, the care she was receiving or not receiving <laughs> or, or the pressure nothing, she was under. It has nothing to do with that. But <laughs> I assume that she was probably pressured and she went to the Harinam even though she was not feeling it and she fainted. Okay, that's you can say that's part of her karma. Okay, whatever. If you if you actually want to bring karma into issue in the picture, okay. She, she ha that had to happen, whatever. And oh, it was so glorious that she fainted during Harinam. But like, what about the other part of like the community aspect of it? Like, mm -hmm. wasn't that insensitive to just be like, mm -hmm. oh, she's just fainted. Let's keep chanting. Chant, she'll wake up. Just chant Hare Krishna. Totally. <laughs> totally. And probably thinking like, oh, it's the best place for her to faint and pass out anyway. Or like, die. Because she's on Harinam. Like, Haribo, Jai. You know, <laughs> like, it, I mean, I, I, there was one devotee also in the community here, um, this new bhakta, and he told me once that he and his, like when he was younger, he was actually, he was molested or something by his uncle, something like that. And I was the second person that he opened up to about this. Right. The first person was his wife's mother, who was a devotee. So he wasn't a devotee, mm -hmm. he married a devotee. And he's now working and taking care of the family and everything. Right. And he said that he hadn't opened up to anyone in his life about this. And he spoke to, finally, he spoke to his wife's mother, was mother. devotee, <clears throat> senior devotee. Okay. Um, and um, he said that he told her when he was younger, he was raped, basically. And her response was, oh, well, gosh. that's your karma. Oh. deal with it and it's like <laughs> how insensitive can you be you know what i mean it's like here's someone who's got had such a heavy traumatic experience in their life that's shaped who they are and the way that they look the view in the world and how they deal with people and it's like the response is basically like you deserve it and now is she wrong in saying that 
No, not necessarily. I mean, it is not necessarily, karma, but like, yeah, but, but like, how is that helpful exactly. in any way? And I, I just, I, I just feel like, and I think we mentioned this um, in one of our conversations last week that it is almost as if that's the uh, the autom automated robotic response. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like I feel like the devotees are programmed to. I don't know, like give advice or reply to another devotee's experiencing whatever, you know, like the manifold uh, of material energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, I know we're told, you know, I, well, you know, you can't, for me, you know, I meet devotees and I'm told all you need to see the world through the eyes of Shastra. Right. And everything else is illusion. Well, basically, everything you thought of the world before that, illusion. Unless you're seeing it the way that Shastra is telling it, then it's illusion that has no validity or anything like that. So that's true. There's, yeah. this, there's this kind of almost pressure to be like, if you're giving advice or if you see people, then quote Shastra, whether you've realized it or not, speak through the lens of Shastra, which is to a degree it's right. But then I think because of the lack of realization, it becomes like an almost impersonal and it's almost like, um, there's a disconnect. It's just like, okay, this it's there in the book. This is how I'm supposed to react to this particular yeah. situation. Because anyway, it's just how material nature works. I'm sorry, Prabhu, it's your karma. But I don't know how much, like, are we actually talking from realization or are we talking like that because we're supposed to speak that way? No, I mean, I was just going to say, and again, it fits into the whole, yeah, you speak like this, then you fit into the Sangha. Right. And we'll accept you. And you're an advanced devotee. The more you quote Shastra, the more you dress like this, the more you do these externals, then we accept you. You know, And it's it, it just doesn't create an environment of general authenticity. The more you get into that program, the probably the the, the more you feel like you can't be yourself because then you'll be kicked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like almost one thing after another just gets stacked up and stacked up to the point where it's almost impossible to then be completely honest with ourselves and then people just bloop. Like I know so many devotees that, um, yeah, like after yeah, after one year, two years, three years, it's just like, oh, this isn't me. But right. like, why isn't it you? It's, it's because you've, you've fit to all the externals, mm -hmm. but then who you are was never touched on, like, the right. person that you are that can still be Krishna conscious from where they're at never was actually like authentically honestly touched on it was just right. like mm -hmm. I went from this external to that external and was never like completely sincere and honest in any of that whole it's like this point of this point of like numbers over quality expansion over what I mean okay we're expanding but what are we even expanding a society that perpetuates abuse there's so many there's so many quotes of Prabhupada saying you know like not so many probably like at least three I think I've read three different quotes different letters that he sent out to different disciples at different times saying like okay we have enough numbers now now we need to boil the milk you know boil the, the, the milk the, boil the milk yeah that quote right it's like we, we need to focus now on what we're doing as individuals and I think this is the point is like what's happening on an individual level obviously then expands level, out yes. into a like collective level and it's like we see this in the society what's happening as society as a whole is like just an expansion of what we're doing individually so um 
yeah, this point again as well is like, why, why do people leave? What I noticed again in the Sangha around me, um, when certain devotees left, there was never any introspection. Uh, what have I done wrong? Or what have oh. we done wrong? It was always, they were in Maya. They did X, Y, Z. They had yeah. these notes. Exactly. It, it was never, you know, did we care for them? Did we provide a sangha where they were able to, you know, feel accepted and, um, you know, nourished and whatever propensities they had or inspired? You know, it was just like, it's all them. It's all their fault. It's nothing to do with me, you know? It, but it feels like now the new generations, they're fed a particular narrative that mm. will eventually program them to become this um, archetype of devotee because we already see their potential as how they can keep expanding the movement, not as anything else, you know, as they join, they follow the whole program thing. They become less human and more robotic. And then we just start repeating things, you know, like how everybody <laughs> categorizes these kirtans or just any experience that the society provides. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. That all, it's interesting because that almost makes me think that in of itself is almost like Sahajism. Like, that's an ecstatic kirtan. Taking what an actual devotional ecstatic symptom is and bringing it down so low to be so like, low, yeah. Adrenaline. <laughs> like, I, I, instead of actually feeling like subject vikars, like what actual devotional ecstasy is, it's like I felt that ecstasy down here. And what it really was was just I felt like inspired to stand up and kirtan and jump. And that's all right. Like, it's like, why can you just say, I had a good time. I enjoyed. I yeah. I, I went there with the uh, desire to enjoy in a, I don't know, in, a, in, in an environment that I would feel less guilty. Yeah. But yeah, which, and you're right, it is. It's like, that's, that's fine. And that's great. Better to do it there than in a club with people like drinking and smoking. For sure, better to enjoy in Kirtan, but let's not like blur the lines here exactly that's and that's what i've been trying to say and then it's like oh prabhu you're criticizing the kirtanese prabhu it's apparat isn't it it's just having discernment i remember one thing i want to bring up is that i remember there was this this point that we uh discussed last week too which is really cool about um devotee lingo like yeah. how um using particular words phrases that other devotees use and again we've been programmed to speak that way um this language can become also a barrier to um yeah opening up and first of all like doing the inner work first it's like okay there's there's something wrong in me and doing that process first and then going on the second stage mm -hmm. of actually confiding and engaging in one of the uh, six exchanges which is um revealing your mind and confidence so yeah can we talk a little bit about that? Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole using language, devotee lingo to avoid working on our on our on our issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's such a good point, and I noticed just how how important this is over the past month or so. Just um, just opening up with a few friends and um, realizing like it's so easy to just cover up actually directly facing my anarta by again just having a broad stroke of being like i'm in maya or going because when i first met devotees it was like encouraged of course you know reveal your mind to senior devotees and um 
that's a little bit uncomfortable for many reasons. One, obviously, because it means I need to face myself right. on a pretty deep level. On another yep. level, it's like I need to then speak to another person about that. And then they'll potentially see that I'm not as pure and amazing as I am. And the other side is that I barely actually even know the senior devotee. It's like I don't have a really deep, deep personal connection with this person. They don't really know me. I don't really know them. They don't know my past. I don't know their past. I don't really know them all. And then I have to like say this really deep, intimate, vulnerable thing about myself. Like, and many people, I mean, it was used against me when I left a certain Sangha, when I initially joined, it was used against me. Like, oh, he left because of X, Y, Z and artists. So these things that I revealed to the senior devotee. It was used against being, with all of exactly black, black male in it. Yeah, that sucks. Exactly. But then even not getting into that, it's happened to other people before. I'm not claiming to be the only one, but it's like, yeah, the thing is, even aside from that, it's like you go to these senior devotees and it's like, I notice it's not just me, but other people, but my experiences, I felt uncomfortable addressing the Anato and more comfortable just going, ah, oh, Prabhu, I struggle with lust. Mm. And and that's addressing the Anato, of course, in a broad way. But what I notice, which is actually more, um, how should we say, like, um, uh, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? It's, helping to deal with the anarta deeper and actually move through it is just being direct about it. Like instead of saying, Oh, I have lust. It's like, let's just be real. Okay. Uh, I either struggle with pornography or I struggle with drug abuse or, and I, and how do you struggle with these things? Like I, after Mangalarti go and smoke weed or something or yeah. whatever it might be, you know, or like I watch porn X amount of times in the day, or I struggle with illicit sex or I, you know, eat these things, like being completely direct about it. And, right. You know, but I think as long as we're cutting off ourselves, then we also cut off other people. You know, we don't allow it in ourselves. We don't allow it in other people. And that's that's why it's it's really important to have these conversations. And like, I think that's how it happened with us. Like, I mean, before we were friends and whatever. But then I think when we started like opening up and talking about these things, like on a without the fluff you know <laughs> not that we did yeah. it before but it's just like maybe we didn't know each other in that level but when yeah. we did and when we actually started exchanging more than just prajalpa um which we still do but uh when we when we started actually um opening up the space for this i think in my personal experience i feel that our friendship our relationship I don't know, deepen or just went into a different direction in a positive direction. And it's just shows that what you said, just like having this, ex this exchange with at least one devotee that you can just open up your heart without feeling judged. It makes a difference. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and again, going also back to the point, like, again, if we, if we can, ex if we can see it in ourselves and be honest with ourselves, then we're more inclined also to be more empathetic and understanding of others that also have it and maybe come to the, come to um, be honest about it. Because what I see in this, this Sangha is that devotees um, having these anartas, denying they have it, not opening up to anyone about it, and then it inevitably coming out mm. in a way that's like, I don't know, such and such, you know, Krishna does Brahmachari fell down because he sent certain pictures to Mother G's outside of the ashram. Ooh. Right? 
and then it's like okay rejected we you get away from the society we don't want to hear your name we don't want to see you anything but it's like that could have been avoided if he was if he honest yeah. like about his feelings earlier on and if there was an environment that wasn't just like if this feeling is actually brought to the surface and ex expressed and um talked about then we won't reject you you know it's like we have this whole thing like in Kali Yuga we're the most fallen 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 but yet when someone's honest about how fallen they are it's like we reject you or at least there's a small window <laughs> there's a window like when you when you first join the movement like it's okay first join and you yeah okay You're you are the fallen months. and it's okay come and join us yeah. you have six months <laughs> Bhakti Shastri come to the morning program you have to be pure by the end of the six months, before we go, you know, the Kartik Parikram with Gurudev, you know, you have to be ready. <laughs> and then after, there's I, no room. There's no room after, especially after you taking some position, like you're the book distributor, the kitchen, oh, uh, whatever. You are the pujari. You are that person that's representing the, you know, that that whole weight is on your freaking shoulders. That, that just, gosh, like, that's where we should talk about guilt. But I don't want to talk about it now because it's gonna get too long. Yeah. But and it makes it hard mm -hmm. for people to be honest. It makes it hard for people to be honest with whether because we have it. We have a certain nature. We can't help it. We're not completely transcendental. We want to fit into a group. Yeah, we want to fit into. We we did that before we were devotees. Even other people that are like, I don't want to be part of a group. They're fitting in with a group of people that don't want to be part of a group. <laughs> so it's like we have this thing that we want to be part of a group. We want to fit in. So then it's like we come into the sangha of devotees, and it's like we're shown and told, you know, you're one of us if you tick X, Y, Z external boxes, you know? And it's like, we're, we're told we're devotees if we, again, tick X, Y, Z external boxes, but it's not, there's not kind of, I think, a deep understanding of what it means to be Krishna conscious on an internal level, you know, in terms of our moment-to-moment wow. -moment day day activities that might not be direct angas of bhakti, you know? Right. I mean, there's that, I think there's a quote, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it says in the Bhagavatam that we need to search after the absolute truth directly and indirectly. Right. So I think there is also room then, judging by that, to um, figure out how to be Krishna conscious and um, activities that might not necessarily be direct under the bhakti. I've, I mean, I've myself had a little bit of experience about like uh, with this, that um, I've maybe been open to certain devotees about the nages I'm going through right. that are very, um, you know, not glorious things, obviously. Things that would get me rejected by society, things that, that deserve, actually, yeah, deserve rejection, actually. And um, when I've been able to be open with these these certain people, they've accepted it and and still given me advice and still cared about me, which in of itself opens up a whole other field of mercy and love. And that in of itself is transformative. This is like my struggle is real and I need to relate to someone who can help me with that without judgment. It just, it, it reminds me also, I told you that um, a couple of years back, I was going through a particular um, very difficult time in my life. It was like a very dark period. And, um, I wasn't really performing well at work and also at the temple. And I had a ton of seva. Like I was Pujari. I was the Harinam leader. And there's so much expe expectation and to cook. And and I was just feeling like I was drowning in, in this, you know, 
this problem that I was going through. And then I met this Vaishnav who came to visit uh, the local temple where I was serving. And um, somehow by divine arrangement, I was, I became his temporary servant around, you know, while he was touring the, the area. And then um, somehow he opened up that, that space for me to speak about my issues. And I, I was afraid because I had been judged already by, you know, the management and devotees from even other temples and the people who knew the situation and everything. And he was the only Vaishnav who hurt me first. He heard everything. He processed it. And then he was like, hey, this is the advice that I have for you. This is how it will, um, you know, this is how I can make it better. And um, he didn't give me any, you know, deep harikata or, you know, because like I told you, like I didn't care what color, you know, Lalita's dress was or how many holes Krishna flute had. You know, I didn't care any of that. I was, I didn't care about, um, not that I didn't care, but I was, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in those things at that moment because I didn't need that. I needed someone to yeah. hear my struggle, you know. This is how Anartan Riti looks yeah. for me right now. And I'm, you know, this is all the stuff yeah. that's coming out of, um, you know, like, this is what I'm going through. And I need someone that I can, yeah. you know. And it, even yeah. since that moment, yeah. I, know, I, I noticed that we didn't have enough devotees willing to do that. Hearing yeah, it, so yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, I think of anything. I, I, I think if any message could be given to any of the devotees that are listening to this, it could be just to highlight the importance again of just being, again, being one hundred percent honest with ourselves. Yes. As raw as it might be, as uncomfortable as it might be, holding the microscope. Because again, I mean, we're one aspect of one aspect. I think of Shastra is okay. We can see the world around us, but then the other aspect is. We can see ourselves then where we're at. So <clears throat> I think it's it's really important to be honest with where we're at, with ourselves. And of course, then also reveal our minds to someone who's um, on the same level as us and also senior to us. Right. But I think it's, it's important to not just blindly go to any senior devotee or anyone like, I think there also needs to be importance given of, um, given to having discernment. Discernment and understand, yeah, yeah. like, okay, will this devotee, can I trust that they will actually be able to hear me out and they will give me good advice? Or are they, are they extremely external in their approach? When I hear them, are they just going to be external as well and be like, oh, you're in my own? Like, yeah. if, I, if I open up, Specifically about an art and an art to one senior Vaishnava, are they going to be be able to be real and raw and, and give me advice specifically, or are they going to give me like we were saying before, like the generic senior devotee? It was your karma that you were raped. Like, it, are they going to? You're in Maya, so you need to chant more rounds. Or are they going to be able to address me like and be vulnerable and raw also? You know, so um, I think having that discernment as well because. I think at a certain point we need to learn how to um, see internals, not just judge a Vaishnava by externals, not just judge a society by externals, you know, well, and also ourselves, yeah. and, and sw swap the narrative, swap the vision, like how I'm viewing the world, how I'm viewing people, how I'm viewing Vaishnavas, and try to see the, the internals of what's going on, not just the externals.
this has been really what cool. Do you think, man? <laughs> it's been really cool. So many, like, I'm already thinking about like the soft topics that can come out of this conversation. Yeah. 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 I, I hope that the audience um doesn't get too lost in the train of thought. I don't know the exact direction we went today. Just let it flow, actually. Yeah. And again, that's the yeah. whole the whole thing that I'm trying to emphasize is that it's important to connect at least with one person that you can have an honest sangha. Um, in fact, that's how I wanted to kind of name the whole segment um, because it is important to to talk about your struggles without judgment and also getting the advice that you need from someone that is higher than you um, that can give you that you know positive input. Um, I think we touched on so many topics that uh, we might have not developed properly and we went on this particular road, mm. but I hope that this is not the the only call that we have. I hope that we can have more of these conversations because I think whatever whatever you sure, yeah whatever you share is like it's incredibly valuable and it's like so many like so so many really cool insights and I'm sure I mean I hope that whoever's listening um, appreciates the honesty and and our experiences I guess and. I don't know if you want to call it wisdom, but hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I have to say as well, like with, I mean, thank you for that, and I think also, I mean, vice versa, the feelings mutual. But in the sense, like my my train of thought, sometimes it's just all over the show, you know. And I, I notice yeah. with yourself, it's like you're really good at um, speaking very clearly, giving like a thought, like in a box, and then like expressing <laughs> a picture as well, man. Yeah, no, man. Let's let's keep doing this and. I think that we already made it quite long and it's best if we stop here so then whoever's listening can digest everything we spoke about. Yeah. And yep, sounds good. Hopefully this conversation uh opens up that that space. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us and thank you for bringing your valuable wisdom and insight, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having. Thank you for having me on here. We'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to the um feedback. If there is any, yeah. Right. That's pretty much everything for today. Thank you for watching. And if you made it this far, um, thank you. I hope you found something useful in this conversation. Um, there's lots to talk about. So probably we'll have part two of this or not. If you liked it, if you think there's something of value in this episode, share it with your friends. Comment, like, whatever the thing is and um i also have a telegram channel where i share my daily reads of the um uh spiritual scriptures so if you're interested i'm going to drop the link below and um let me know if you have any thoughts questions or comments feedback criticism just drop your comments here or hit me up on instagram at you journals and i'll see you next time